Yep. Good evening. Welcome to the May 9th of 2023 Lawrence City Commission meeting. We'll start off with a few instructions from Sherry, our clerk. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor, and good evening, everyone. If you are attending this meeting via Zoom, please ensure you are muted and your video is off when you are not actively participating in the meeting. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. When you are participating, please unmute and turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat, and all chats go directly to the meeting host. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. When the mayor calls for public comment, those attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. Those participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Participants will be called upon in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. Please state your name before speaking and all comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, Sherry. We will begin with the approval of the agenda. The City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Are there any changes to the agenda by the commissioners? Not ask for a motion. Move to approve the agenda. Second. I got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Passes four to zero. On to item B, we have proclamations. We've got five proclamations tonight, and we're going to start off with proclaiming the month of June of 2023 as the LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Do we have somebody here that would like to speak on this? Please come up. Hello, everyone. My name is Cody Murray, and I'm the director of Lawrence Pride. I would like to thank you all for having the, the Lawrence Pride board here tonight as well. As it is often said, the first Pride was a riot. It matters to see our own local government stand with us, as it is such a hard time for anti, uh, it is, there are so many anti-trans and anti-drag laws being pushed at the state level. Pride started with trans folks and drag folks leading us. Marsha P. Johnson was a major figure during the 1969 uh, Stonewall riots, and we have b worked and uh, gained support off the padded shoulders of giants and platform heels. Decades later, later, we have more rights and more oppressive old laws are gone, but the fight remains until we are truly equal. 54 years later, we may still be fighting, but we are able to put on events in our own communities, bringing people together to uplift one another, even as our community is under attack in politics across the country. It is support like this from our local government that helps set the example that we are part of this community along with everyone else. Pride across the country looks very different from 1969. Our mission is to showcase the talents, love, and family we have created for ourselves. Pride is for everyone, no matter the color of your skin, your gender, your sexuality, or your religion. So please join us, Lawrence Pride, on June 3rd for our celebration with a parade down Mass Street, a block party on 8th Street, um, bringing everyone together once more as we do every single year. Be on the lookout for other events around the community throughout the month of June as it is Pride Month. And again, thank you for your support today. Thank you. I'll read the proc proclamation now. The month of... <laughs> The month of June is des des designated as LGBTQ plus Pride Month. 
and it commemorates the Stonewall Rebellion that occurred during the weekend of June 29th, June 27th to the 29th, 1969 in New York City, New York. That gave birth to the modern lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender civil rights movement. The month of June also marks a time when all those committed to justice and equality celebrate the notable achievements and outstanding service that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and other Americans make our city, state, and nation. And whereas LGBTQ plus pride is defined as the positive stance against discrimination and violence toward lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and others to promote their self-affirmation, dignity, equal rights, increase their visibility as a social group, build community, and celebrate sexual diversity and gender variance. And whereas individually and collectively, members of Lawrence and Douglas County's LGBTQ plus community contribute greatly to the neighborhood revitalization, economic vitality, arts and culture in the social fabric of our community, or of our city, our county, state, and country. And whereas Lawrence and Douglas County prides itself on its inclusiveness as one of the first counties in the region to have a domestic partner registry and protects its residents from discrimination and harassment based on actual or perceived race, color, sex, religion, disability, age, marital status, place of birth, families with children, sexual orientation, or national origin. And we are committed to continued social progress in the cause of human rights, celebrating the great diversity of our community. Now, therefore, I, Lisa Larson, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, do hereby proclaim June 2023 as LGBTQ plus Pride Month. I urge all citizens to join in ending prejudice everywhere it may exist, respect the rights of all people, and celebrate the diversity and richness of our city and county. Thank you. Our next one is to proclaim the month of May of 2023 as Historic Preservation Month. And I believe we've got Lynn. Is Lynn coming up? Hi, Lynn. Hello. Good evening, Mayor, Commissioners. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Here excited to have you proclaim May, the month of Historic Preservation Month. The City of Lawrence has a long history of looking at its historic resources and celebrating those resources and trying to protect those historic resources. And we have almost 100 properties listed in the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. We have well over 100 properties listed in the National and State Registers. We have nine historic districts, including our wonderful downtown, and we have properties from um, East Lawrence vernacular architecture to high-style residential structures in West Lawrence. So it really covers a broad depth of different architectural styles. Thank you. I'll go ahead and read the proclamation. Whereas historic preservation is an effective tool for economic development, sustainable development, tourism promotion, revitalizing neighborhoods, fostering local pride, and maintaining community character while enhancing livability. And whereas historic preservation is relevant for communities across the nation, both urban and rural, and for Americans of all ages, all walks of life, and all racial and ethnic backgrounds. And whereas it is important to celebrate the ro role of history in our lives and the contributions made by dedicated individuals in helping to preserve the tangible aspects of the heritage that have shaped us as a people. And whereas the city of Lawrence has recognized the importance of cultural resources protection 
since 1988 by adopting Ordinance 5950, establishing Chapter 22 of the City Code in the Lawrence Historic Resources Commission. Now, therefore, I, Lisa Larson, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, do hereby proclaim the month of, of May 2023 as Historic Preservation Month. And I call upon all people of Lawrence to join their fellow citizens across the United States, recognizing and participa participating in this special observance. Thank you, Lynn. And our next proclamation is Public Service Recognition Week. I believe we've got um, Megan, I think. Hello. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Um, I brought him up with me because it wasn't going to be quiet out in the hall if I didn't. So <laughs> that wasn't the plan, though. But thank you um, so much for this proclamation and um, helping us recognize the nearly 900 city employees um, during Public Service Recognition Week. Um, you know, these employees are out there doing really visible work, like police and fire, but they're also um, in code enforcement officers and working in our streets, um, paving the roads and things like that. They're also doing the back office support work, the IT, all those other things that are often unseen. Um, so on behalf of our leadership team and all of the city employees, thank you for recognizing the important work that we do. You know, as we're moving toward changing our organizational culture and really focusing on being an engaged and empowered workforce, um, we know how important it is to do these celebrations and recognize city employees and the important work that they do. So thank you for this proclamation and helping us to do that. Uh, later this week we'll be sharing some stories, just some public service examples um, that our employees are out there doing that important work and going above and beyond. But um, we hope that this is really the start of that storytelling and, and sharing of those stories because we know how important that is. So thank you for the proclamation. Thank you. I'll go ahead and read it now. Whereas Americans are served every single day by the public servants at the federal, state, county, and city levels. These unsung heroes do the essential work that improves the quality of life and keeps our nation and communities working. Whereas public servants serving the Lawrence community include approximately 850 City of Lawrence employees working in many areas such as public safety, police and fire, public works, transportation, parks and recreation, municipal court, utilities, solid waste management, planning and development, and the internal services that keep our organization running such as information technology, finance, and human resources and whereas the city of Lawrence employees employees deliver service each day that enhance the quality of life of the Lawrence community and whereas the city of Lawrence employees provide these diverse services with character competence courage collaboration and commitment these employees work to make progress in the city's strategic plan outcomes areas outcome areas of creating a Lawrence community with unmistakable identity strong and welcoming neighborhoods prosperity and economic security and with infrastructure and services that create a connected city in a safe and secure community. And whereas the city of Lawrence is committed to building an engaged, empowered organizational culture where people throughout the organization are trusted, supported, and cared for as we build a community. Now, therefore, I, Lisa Larson, mayor of the city of Lawrence, Kansas, do hereby proclaim the week of May 7th through the 13th, 2023, as Public Service Recognition Week. And I encourage all citizens to recognize the accomplishments and contributions of our employees at all levels, including all public services ser serving the Lawrence community. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> all right, we're going to recognize Building Safety Month. 
Do we have anybody there here? Oh, Brian, yay. Yes, thank you, the whole gang. Nice to see you in person. I think it's been yes. about four years I've been Something like person. that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a little more great. Yeah, I've lived a whole separate life. Gone, but other than that, we'll make it through it. Wow. Thank you for this proclamation this evening, Mayor Commissioners. Uh, Brian Jimenez, Code Official Assistant Director with Planning Development Services. To my left, I have our Deputy Code Official, Jason, Jason Lady. He's my uh, wingman, so to speak. I couldn't have a better person leading our department in that regard. To my immediate uh, right is Janet Smalter, one of our two female plans examiners. Very proud to say that. I don't know how many other cities can say that in an industry that is often filled positions by, by men. We have two senior plans, uh, two plans examiners that are, are, are women in our department, very dedicated, knowledgeable, and professional. And to my far right is Division Chief of Prevention with the Lawrence Douglas County Fire and Medical, uh, Chris King. And he represents the fire department in our initiative tonight. So before um, I get into a little bit, I just want to tell you there's about 13 people, give or take a few, between the fire department and us. Collectively, my math is right, we have 199 years of experience with the city of Lawrence. Quite impressive. If you take the cumulative time of uh, staff that's been in the uh, construction industry before they came with the city, we have 255 years of experience. That means two things. I like to think we know what we're doing on a daily basis. And secondly, we have a lot of old people. <laughs> so we'll have to do a really good job when people retire of replacing them with the same type of persons that we have in those positions today. So real quick, um, Building Safety Month is recognized by the International Code Council, the family set of codes that the city adopts and enforces through the International Residential Building Code and all the trades, the International Property Maintenance Code. Um, we do building safety for structures that we all live, play, socialize, work in two main ways through building permit review, plans examiners, through inspections in the field, through the final occupancy to make sure the building that we're occupying in the city of Lawrence is safe. We also do it through a second way, and that's our rental licensing inspection program, where we do periodic inspections of rental units throughout the city to make sure those dwelling units um, meet our minimum standards through the property maintenance code. So I'm very proud to be here tonight with this group of um, staff and we thank you for uh, this recognition. Thank you. I'll go ahead and read the, read the proclamation now. Whereas our city's continuing efforts to address the critical issues of safety, energy efficiency, and resilience in the built environment that affect our citizens, both in everyday life and in the times of natural disaster, give us confidence that our structures are safe and sound. And whereas our confidence is achieved through the devotion of um, vigilant guardians, building safety, and fire prevention officials, architects, engineers, builders, design professionals, tradespeople's laborers, and others in the construction industry who work year-round to ensure the safe construction of buildings. And whereas these guardians, dedicated members of the International Code Council, and use a government consensus process that brings together local, state, and federal officials with expertise in the built environment to create and implement the highest quality codes to protect Americans in the buildings where we live, learn, work, worship, play. And whereas the international codes, the most widely adopted building safety, energy, and fire prevention codes in the nation are used by most US, U.S. cities, counties, and states, these modern building codes also include safeguards to protect the public from natural disasters such as hurricanes, snowstorms, tornadoes, wildfires, and earthquakes, and whereas safety for all 
Building Codes in Action, the theme for Building Safety Month 2023, encourages to raise awareness of the importance of building safe and resilient construction, fire prevention, disaster mitigation, energy efficiency, and new technologies in the construction industry. Building Safe Month 2023, technologies in the construction industry, building safe... Building Building Safe Month Month I'm sorry 2023 encourages appropriate steps everyone can take to ensure that the places where we live, learn, work, worship, and play are safe. They're sustainable, and recognizes that countless lives have been saved due to the implementation of safety codes by local and state agencies. Now, therefore, I, Lisa Larson, the Mayor of the City of Lawrence, do here by proclaim the month of 2023 of May as Building Safety Month, and I encourage all citizens to join with their communities in participating in this month of activities. Thank you. We'll shorten that proclamation there. <laughs> <laughs> you got your money's worth. That's right, by golly. And our last one, not but not least, is is our travel and tourism week, National Travel and Tourism Week. I believe we got Kim here from Explore Lawrence. All right. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you, city staff and leadership for recognizing National Travel and Tourism Week. This week is the 40th anniversary of this celebration of the contribution of the U.S. travel industry. This year's theme of Travel Forward highlights travel's essential role in driving economic growth and innovation. Travel serves as a catalyst for a productive economy and helps power the success of other industries. In Douglas County, visitor spending rebounded to $245 million in 2021 as attractions and events reopened and restarted. This economic activity directly supported 2,277 jobs, earning those job holders $100 million in income. This visitor spending also generated $26 million into state and local tax coffers. So this week, we celebrate the role of travel in creating economic growth, cultivating vibrant communities, creating job opportunities, inspiring new businesses, and enhancing our quality of life. Thank you for recognizing May 7th through 13th as National Travel and Tourism Week in Lawrence, Kansas. And thank you for your continued support of the travel industry in Lawrence. Thank you. We'll go ahead and read the proclamation. Whereas the travel industry fuels every industry and will continue to be an essential part of Lawrence and Douglas County's economy, development, and workforce. And whereas travel to Lawrence and Douglas County provides significant economic benefits with $245 million spent directly by travelers in 2021. And whereas traveling travel spending supports vibrant and safe communities in Lawrence and Douglas County by generating $26 million in state and local tax revenue in 2021 to support essential services such as education, emergency response, public safety, and more. Whereas the travel industry directly supports more than 2,200 Douglas County jobs, and whereas welcoming visitors from near and far has always been and always will be the enduring spirit of the travel industry in Kansas. Now, therefore, I, Lisa Larson, mayor of the city of Lawrence, do hereby proclaim May 7th through the 13th of 2023 as National Travel and Tourism Week. And I do encourage the citizens of Lawrence to join me in recognizing the critical role this industry plays in Lawrence. Thank you, Kim. Okay. We'll move on to item C, which is public general public comment. 
Uh, the public is allowed to speak on issues or items that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. Comments should be limited to issues and items germane to the business of the governing body. The commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Each person will be limited to three minutes. Do we have any general public comment? Hi, my name is Sue Herring. I'm back this week with a report on my efforts since I spoke to you last week about the gunplay in downtown Lawrence. It was on Massachusetts, and it was highlighted in a paper, in our paper, published on April 25th. Lo and behold, last week, we had another headline. Man accused of threatening students with assault rifle happened near Free State High School on Overland Drive. A 32-year-old with an AK-15, something of that in nature, made threatened threats and scared people. According to this article, people ran from the, the scene. The results are nearly the same. The perp in the second case spent less than four hours in custody and walked out. I emailed each of you last week trying to enlist support to put pressure on our DA and our judges that are letting these people loose with no consequences. I only received one response from the five of you. Thank you, Brad. Brad's email states that the city commissioners have no jurisdiction over the DA and the judges here. That's a foregone conclusion that all of us know. To save this city, we need voices and pressure right now to let this DA and those judges know that their leniency puts us all at risk. Someone here just spoke about travel and tourism. Anybody who hears that somebody can walk down Massachusetts or 11th and Massachusetts and fire shots at pedestrians and be let go, as I said last week, because he didn't intend to harm anyone, that's not a good future for this town. The five of you, if you care about this town, could use your voices to amplify concerns for the safety of all of us. And today I tried to see the DA in person, walked in, you know, I, just to see somebody in that office. And uh, I got nowhere. I was sent away with a business card. No one would see me. They asked me to contact them by email to make an appointment or voice my concerns. My conclusions were that cowards hide behind computer screens and closed doors, and we have a serious problem. Thank you. My name is Joe Herrick. And uh, there was a wise man that once said, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. That wise man was Albert Einstein. And I believe our city and our county, it's high time we made some changes. 
the biggest problem I see is we've taken the supreme law of the land and thrown it in the trash. We make we like to make our own rules. As an example, when a child is born, they know nothing about discrimination. The bureaucrats, the politicians, the education system, they teach our children to discriminate, to divide. There's no reason to have these proclamations for different uh, classes of people. The 14th Amendment says that if you're born in this country or you're a naturalized citizen, you all have equal rights. So why are we wasting all this time talking about different races, sexes, whatever? It's right here. We've abandoned it. And then if you look at the Fourth Amendment, which is my favorite, we're supposed to be secure in our properties. And we've heard about inspection codes. And if you read the inspection guidelines, it's like reading a communist manifesto. It's a nanny state. And for some reason, the rental properties, the people that occupy those, somehow they're held at a higher standard, like their life is worth more than somebody that owns a home that we don't inspect. What's the deal? We're all supposed to be equal. What's a probable cause to bust into somebody's house? The landlord law prevents me, the landlord, from going in on a tenant unless I have permission. And finally, for $20, you can learn the cause unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 21 and 22. The millennials, the working class, had the highest death loss. They, they lost as many in one year as we lost in 12 years Time. in the Vietnam War. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Amy Rothman. Courtney, could you please pay attention? When people are talking up here, you can at least look up from whatever it is you're doing. You're just sitting there writing, writing, writing. When you did look up once, you had a smirk on your face because nobody responded except Brad to my friend's email. Pay attention. They're here talking to you. All of you. Listen. That's what they're coming to have you listen. Thank you. Any other general public comment? Yeah, Dr. Justin Spies, I couldn't help but notice in that proclamation that you read earlier for the LGBTQ uh, Pride Month there that you mentioned this long list of people that you don't discriminate against and you covered all the bases and one of them was race and I can't help but recall back in September or October, Courtney, when you were mayor, you sat up there and you said that you do everything you can to make sure white men aren't appointed to the subcommittees and boards here. Is that discrimination or is that not discrimination? Seems like discrimination. 
And as you know, of course, uh, that's recorded, what Courtney said, so we can go back and look at it, where she straight up said that. So uh, again, is that discrimination or not? You guys sit up there all high and mighty on this stuff and then sit there and say, and you ain't even looking right now, Courtney. Sit there and oh, say, I'm you looking right at you, son. You sit there. Where you, you want say, me to look at you online. You sit there and you say that uh, you don't discriminate, but then you go and do that. I thought you didn't engage. How can you engage with that? Will you answer my question? Is that discrimination or not? Selective engagement? All right. Any other general public comment? Yeah, I'm Chris Flowers. Um, the other night, I went down the rabbit hole. I've been watching um, funny city, like uh, city council meetings from around the country. But one thing I noticed that's kind of interesting: some places, when they make appointments, um, the commission will interview the the appointees. And I'm thinking maybe we should start doing that if we're going to have one mayor for four years, like just the power that four years that they can potentially appoint all their own choices to like a board, especially like the zoning board, like when when the meet, like when the decisions these boards make can cause the this commission to have to have a four to one vote to pass something, um, I think there needs to be kind of more accountability with the who's getting appointed to the boards like um, I think the other commissioners should be having more of a say, like instead of just rubber stamping, if, if, if we're just going to have a mayor doing this for four years, I, I think the other commissioners are going to start needing to at least ask in the, the pointies questions. Um, it's just something to consider because I have seen videos of other city commissions where they do interview the pointies. Thank you. Any other general public comment? Hi. Uh, hello, uh, my name is Joseph. Um, I was just wondering about the after action report that the Parks and Recreation Department will be providing about the Nature Center questions that were raised in the last two weeks. Uh, is there a schedule or uh, a time frame for when that report will be provided to the commission and then available for the public to view as well? Uh, the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board meeting yesterday indicated that most of the decisions regarding the Nature Center were driven by the budget and the finance department. Uh, they also said that they had to submit budget information by the end of this month, and I believe that some of the answers on that after action report will be very helpful for finding any disconnect or any gaps in terms of what the finance department is requiring of the center and that land versus what the community thought was going to happen when they thought the closure of that nature center was taken off the table last year. Um, a large concern is that the current budgetary decisions will start to result in more situations that aren't easily reversible, such as the removal of animals from that nature center. And if we are approaching some type of deadline by the end of the month or some sort of critical deadline for budget approval, I know the community would really appreciate an opportunity to review that and provide some feedback on what those decisions might be and the impacts that will be felt in real time by the nature center and the people who enjoy that prairie. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. You know, there um, general public comment from the audience, if not on Zoom.
No, Mayor. All right, we'll bring it back up to the commission. We'll move on to the and uh, items on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and approved by one motion. There will be no separate discussion on these items. If decision is if discussion is desired and the item the, that the item will be removed from the consent agenda and considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak on an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. Are there any commissioners that would like to pull an item off the agenda? I've got one. I think it's yeah. Yeah, D7B, which is the um, historic marker. Any other ones? No. Anybody in the audience like to pull an item off the consent agenda? Yeah. Um, you, you said the D7B, but I also have um, D6B, the Community Police Review Board one. Okay. Any others? Anybody on Zoom want to remove something? Not. I'll ask for a motion. Move for approval of the consent agenda with the exception of D6B and D7B. Second. I got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? It passes four to zero. We'll start out with six. Um, D6B, the first, first one. Okay. Hi, this is Chris, and I pulled it because um, I was just wondering what's going on with um, the current police review board and that I think uh, like the other month they were supposed they talked about reviewing a jaywalking case but it was submitted by a third party and then they weren't because it was submitted by a third party but then I thought they were going to look at if they could review cases submitted by third parties but then that executive session never happened because the board member that brought it up that wanted to review the case resigned and that's why I think the, that the executive session never happened for that so I was just wondering what's going on with the jaywalking ticket complaint um, also, another question I have is, does this, um, the work oversight group, does it have two or three members currently assigned to it from the Community Police Review Board? Because if the, if the reason that we, I'm okay if we suspend the CPRB, but if it's so that they're not overworked, then shouldn't at least three members from the CPRB board, like the CPRB be on the community, um, police oversight work, work group because I thought it, it, it called for three um, members but I don't know if the third one's been assigned since that one member uh, resigned um, and also I was just wondering if you all if you all are if you're just gonna accept that um, we're not going to look at the jaywalking ticket complaint because it was a third party. Um, can you have the community over work, or I forget what it's called, the, the review of the review board, basically. Can you have them look at the issue if the CPRB should be reviewing third party complaints? Because I, I think they should, but like what if someone moves? Shouldn't they have someone here who can advocate for them? Um, so yeah, I guess, and also, I mean, I if I'm I'm okay with the CPRB board being suspended currently, but if if this is just so they, if this is the police trying to keep them from reviewing the jaywalking ticket case, I I'm against it. But thank you. Okay. 
Any questions for Chris or anything? I will tell you this, Chris, there are three from the review board on the, on the work group right now. And any, no questions? Then we'll um, open it up for public comment. No public comment, how about on Zoom? No, Mayor. All right, we'll bring it back up here. And I guess I understand with the ordinance that if there is an appeal, the board would go into session, correct? That's what I understood. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it's important to get the oversight work group working and working hard in the next <laughs> six weeks. We're going to be pushing them to get this done. So I think this makes sense. So. Okay. I agree. No other thoughts? Consider a motion. I move to adopt resolution 7483, postponing the community police review board meetings until the community police oversight work group completes its work. Second. I got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? It passes four to zero. Move on to D7B. Uh, consider approving historic markers for the rotary digester in Margaret Sis Vinegar. Carrie? Thank you, commissioners. Uh, this is the final uh, step in the approval process to get the marker for Margaret Sis Vinegar uh, uh, installed and dedicated. Uh, she was the daughter of uh, Pete Vinegar, who was one of the three men who were lynched from the uh, Kansas River Bridge in 1882. And she, uh, she was accused of murder of the man who died, who had uh, sexually abused her, which, which uh, resulted in the lynching. And her story uh, is one of uh, many uh, women, black women, especially in the United States at that time, who had no, no recourse. They weren't even necessarily treated as, as individuals. And she, uh, she was 14 when she was convicted and died in Lansing Prison when she was 20 of tuberculosis. Her body has disappeared. We have no idea where she is, uh, if she, her body even exists anymore. So the only, the only marker, the only memorial that she will ever have is this marker that's been approved, that has been approved by the Historic Resources Commission and tonight request that uh, you approve the uh, installation. Uh, this would be a very auspicious day, auspicious and appropriate day, to do such a, a marker because it happens to be John Brown's 223rd mm -hmm. birthday. Yeah. Uh, I think he would be proud of, of the, the town where he, he had a lot of influence on at the time and, and since then. So uh, I hope you can, uh, you can vote in favor of this marker. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions for Gary? No? Open that up, up for public comment. Hi, this is Chris Flowers. Um, I, I support this marker, but there's one, one question I did have. Um, um, this is kind of, it's something I don't necessarily think y'all want to maybe talk about, but um, what when I read that, I was just wondering, should we be capitalizing white along with black? Um, I, I don't want to, 
I have, I personally, I've been capitalizing black but not white recently, but I've, I've looked into it more because I've seen more, just on social media, more leftists are starting to capitalize white. Um, and one of the things I said, I've, when I looked up um, from the Mark MacArthur Foundation, this they had this to say that choosing to not not capitalize white while capitalizing other racial and, and ethnic identifiers would implicitly affirm whiteness as the standard norm. Um, keeping white lowercase ignores the way whiteness functions in institutions and communities. Um, also. Um, some, some of the groups that are capitalizing um, white and black both are APA, National Association of Black Journalists, and the Diversity Style Guide. Um, and the, I, I don't, I don't want to misspeak. I, this is, uh, I, I, I might. Um, Chris, is this got to do with our, our um, historic? Um... Yeah, because you're capitalizing black in it, but not white. Mm -hmm. And th this is why I'm talking about this, because I, I'm just curious why ha has this, this commission actually looked at this issue, like in, in the language we use? Because, um, and it, the, if, if part of the, the, the thing about, well, how different black people are related by culture is from enslavement, you know, like, all, all these African countries, different one, I mean, they might have different cultures specific to their country, but they've, they've all suffered from the hands of slavery. At the other um, end, couldn't you say a lot of white countries are united in their culture by their mistreatment of black and brown people? And that, I mean, it's not just America who's been, mistreating their minorities to benefit themselves. Um, and I'm just wondering if like 10 years from now, if, if white, if, if lowercase white's gonna be seen as being bad, and then we're gonna have to replace this. So I, I would just rather you all have a, this conversation now because I think it's gonna be coming up pretty soon. Thank you. Any other public comment on this item? Any public comment online? No, Mayor. Bring it back to the commission. Any discussion on this? Um, I think Lynn is here, and she's probably going to be looking at that, I would think. <laughs> or allude to Right now, for the Margaret Sis Vinegar marker, the Equal Justice Initiative paid for that marker, and it's already been fabricated and okay. is just waiting to be installed. So um, that was not discussed at the Historic Resources Commission. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to um, thank everybody who has worked on this. This has um, been an ongoing endeavor for a couple of years now and this is kind of the last piece of that from the lynching project um, and I do appreciate the work that everybody's done thank you yeah I would definitely like to second that uh, it's uh, I know we had an installation of a previous piece near City Hall and I think this is a great um, inclusion um, uh, because uh, Ms. Vinegar was often overlooked so <laughs> Any other discussion? If not, I would entertain a motion. I would move that we approve the historic markers for the Rotary Digester and Margaret Sis Vinegar. 
Second. I have a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? It passes four to zero. Thank you very much. We're on to item F, which is regular agenda items. <coughs> the first item is receive and hold a public hearing on the 2023 to 2027 Community Development Block Grant and Home Investment Partnerships Program Consolidated Plan, including including the 2023 action annual action plan and investment summary and updates to the assessment of fair housing and the city's citizen participation plan, opening a 30-day public comment period. Hi, good evening, uh, Mayor and Commissioners. This is Brad Carr. I'm the Community Development Analyst in the Housing Initiatives Division. Um, I do have a presentation to share, so if I could be allowed to share screen. Go ahead, Brad. All right, everybody able to see that? Yes. Okay. So our agenda item tonight, it was uh, quite lengthy there in the description. It is to uh, receive and hold a public hearing on our 2023 to 2027 Community Development Block Grant and Home Investment Partnerships Consolidated Plan, which includes the 2023 Annual Action Plan and Investment Summary. And it also includes an update to the Assessment of Fair Housing and an update to our adopted citizen participation plan. Um, I'll briefly walk through each one of those items before we get to the funding recommendations for the 2023 grant year, which for Lawrence uh, begins on August 20 or August 1st, excuse me, on 2023. And uh, tonight we'll begin the uh, public comment period for 30 days on the items that we are presenting here tonight. Um, per our currently adopted citizen participation plan, uh, we do conduct two public hearings per year to obtain uh, the citizens' views and comments and to respond to any questions about our programs. Uh, it is required that those meetings are conducted at two different times of the program year um, to cover topics of uh, development and proposed activities and then a review of the previous year's performance. So this will be our proposed activities for the next uh, actual five-year plan. Um, and then the review of the past year's performance uh, takes place in the fall um, at an AHAB meeting, the Affordable Housing Advisory Board. Um, we'll start with the consolidated plan, the 2023-27 consolidated plan. This is a five-year strategic plan um, for the city's community development goals and priorities. And it is based upon a, a needs assessment and a market conditions that we do have to conduct provided uh, using HUD-provided data. Um, in the con plan, we uh, did try to align our priorities um, and goals with the city strategic plan and also with the draft of the housing and homelessness strategic plan that's currently out for public input that you recently received a review of. Um, the priority needs uh, that were outlined in this five-year strategic plan um, start on page 198 of your packet tonight, um, and they include equity and inclusion, affordable housing, supportive housing, uh, systems, emergency shelter and homeless services, and public infrastructure. And, and uh, inside of each of those priority needs, uh, there are associated goals that have been established for the five-year period. Um, the goals are better described starting on page 216 of the agenda packet. 
And those goals include uh, efforts to increase affordable housing stock, uh, maintain our current affordable housing stock, provide home buyer assistance, public facility improvements, tenant-based rental assistance, delivery of public services, um, administration of our programs, and then the individual goals that are set up in our assess assessment of fair housing. Um, so inside of that five-year con plan is also a one-year uh, annual action plan. And so for this uh, is our 2023 annual action plan. And that provides a detailed summary of how the actual grant funds for that year will be spent uh, in relation to those priority needs and goals that were identified in the five-year plan. Um, well, next item on our public hearing tonight um, is the 2023 update to the city's assessment of fair housing. And as this slide explains, Title VIII of the Civil, Act, Civil Rights Act of 1968 uh, requires that HUD-funded recipients to affirmatively further the policies and purposes of the Fair Housing Act, uh, which is also known as Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing, or AFFH. Um, we did provide a detailed background on the AFFH requirement um, that can be found on starting on page nine of the agenda packet. Um, I'll just go over a quick summary of uh, the past history of that. Prior to 2015, HUD required all grantees to complete what was called an analysis of impediments of fair housing choice and AI, um, but it did not have any process in place in how to verify the individual community's compliance with that. And so in 2015, the AFFH rule was established um, with requirements for a much more extensive analysis called an assessment of fair housing, um, shorten that to AFH. And grantees also had to submit this to HUD uh, for review. Um, it was later determined that the creation and review of these AFHs provo provided, proved to be way too burdensome on jurisdictions and on HUD uh, to be able to review all those. And so that program was stopped at the end of 2017. Um, Lawrence was one of the 49 jurisdictions uh, that submitted an AFH between October of 16 to December of 2017. And we were one of only 18 of those 49 uh, to have our assessment accepted on the initial submission without any required revisions. Um, so in 2020, prior administration, uh, replaced the 2015 AFFH rule uh, with a new rule called Preserving Neighborhood and Community Choice. Um, then in 2021, the current administration replaced that rule with an interim final rule, which is currently under. Uh, the interim final rule restores some portions of the 2015 AFH rule, but it did not restore those provisions of how uh, individual grantees conduct their local fair housing and it does not have HUD review uh, the planning under the, this interim rule. Um, so it does not require any particular process to be used. So we have chosen to update our accepted plan that we had uh, by HUD at the end of 2017 that went along with our 2018 action plan. Um, and we updated the demographic sections um, and then updated the revisions and corrections to that original data set that uh, was provided by HUD. And then we've also went through and reviewed and updated those original goals that we established in 28 and 2018. 
Um, the next item in the public hearing is an update to our adopted citizen participation plan. Um, the update includes uh, uh, new information on how we would like to be able to allow administrative establishment of additional goal outcome indicators um, inside of the strategic plan goals that are listed in that five-year strategic plan. And those goal outcome indicators are the measurable accomplishments um, that is listed next to each goal. Um, and so that is, as you can see in ours, uh, to increase affordable housing stock that we would like to build X number of units over that five-year period. So we would like to administratively be able to add additional goal outcomes throughout this five-year period um, in case there's uh, a change in something that we're seeing in our community that we need to be able to quickly adapt to and, and spend our grant funds in a different way. Um, and so on to the funding recommendations for the 2023 year. Um, there is a memo attached to the agenda um, that it explains how the recommendation process was completed. Um, the, the recommendation process does include some automatic uh, allocations which include uh, the administration for both grants and then some funding for local city programs. Um, the home applications were uh, recommended by the Affordable Housing Advisory Board at their April meeting. And then a city staff team reviewed and uh, recommended the funding for the CDBG side, uh, public service al allocations. Uh, so we'll start out with the home recommendations and this is for the 2023 grant year. Uh, the base home uh, grant that we received from HUD is $530,046. Um, we're also projecting that we'll receive program income in the 2023 year of approximately $30,000. Um, so uh, per that allocation and recommendation procedures, uh, we would automatically uh, allocate 10%, which is the regulatory cap, uh, towards administration of the home program. Um, the Affordable Housing Advisory Board reviewed the applications that were received for the remainder of the home funding. And as you can see, they made recommendations. Um, the, uh, they recommended funding Lawrence Habitat for Humanity uh, for two new home construction um, at their 8th and Walnut sites. Uh, they recommended funding the Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority's tenant-based rental assistance program. Um, they did recommend funding uh, our local uh, community housing development organization, uh, termed a CHODO, uh, for set-aside funds, and that our CHODO is tenants to homeowners. And they also recommended funding uh, some operating expenses for tenants to homeowners uh, for the day-to-day -day operations of their uh, home-eligible activities. And so as you can see, there was uh, requests totaling 525. Uh, what was available was 507,042, and you can see the breakdowns uh, that the Affordable Housing Advisory Board recommended. On the CDBG, CDBG side of the grant, uh, the base amount received from HUD was 748,373, uh, projecting program income of 150,000, uh, reallocation of 200,000. Uh, those are unspent funds from previous projects that were funded and either uh, were not completed or came in under budget. Um, according to the automatic recommendations for the CDBG administration, there's a regulatory cap of 20% of that base grant. And then there's also uh, automatic recommendations for city programs, uh, which comes out to 708449. Uh, a breakdown of some of those automatic fundings. Uh, there you see the administration. Uh, 
housing initiatives division, we do have some several programs uh, that are listed there and then other possible city programs using municipal service and operations, uh, parks and rec or, or local neighborhood projects. Um, on the non-public side of CDBG recommendations, the remaining pot uh, that's available, which roughly works out to about 25% of the grant funds, are put out for a competitive application process. Uh, two applications were received this year. Um, they uh, at the full uh, requested amount. Um, and then on the public service side of CDBG, um, HUD regulations do allow uh, cities to allocate up to 15% of the base grant uh, for uh, public service activities, uh, which can include things like childcare, healthcare, job training, uh, services for the homeless, uh, senior centers, senior citizens, and drug abuse counseling and treatment. Um, due to that regulatory 15% cap, uh, funds from those other areas that we discussed, the non-public service side, cannot be applied into this category. And so uh, if the city commission chooses to award the maximum of up to 15% of that base grant, then the amount available would be 112055 for 2023. Uh, the staff team that reviewed the applications, there were three applications received for the public service side. Um, the total request was 186814 uh, As we determined, the cap, that regulatory cap of 15% worked out to 112255 And so you can see the staff's recommendations of how that funding was split between the three organizations that we received applications from. Uh, so then we'll go on to next steps, which would, uh, since today starts that public comment period, uh, we'll collect public comments uh, until June 9th. And then we'll be coming back to you on June 13th uh, to consider adoption of these plans and finalizing uh, that uh, investment summary, so, uh, awarding those funds to each of those agencies. Um, other than that, I'm going to stop my slideshow and I would be happy to answer any questions that you have. Any questions for Brad? questions okay then we'll open it up for public comment at this time any public comment on this item any public comment online no mayor okay bring it back to the commission discussion Brad, thanks for your hard work on this. I, mean, I, I know there's a lot that goes into this, um, an update in the five-year plan. And, uh, you know, I'm obviously this is the start of the process, so we get 30 days of, of uh, public comment on it, but uh, appreciate your work and appreciate there's some great programs that will get funded through this process. I was a little surprised that only two folks applied for CDBG, but uh, good for them, they both got it. Um, but hopefully others consider looking at that in the future um, and otherwise I I support what I see here and obviously wait to hear public comment before making final decisions but so far it looks good thank you yeah it does Brad is it typical to have just two two organizations like this to to apply for the non-public service recommendations like that um, uh, this Brad, 
analyst. Um, typically, I think it's in, in between two to five. Um, I, we usually meet with several agencies, uh, obviously, throughout the year and discuss uh, the opportunities to apply for these. Um, unfortunately, due to the federal regulations that come with a, a lot of this with these fundings, uh, those strings, um, it kind of dissuades people sometimes from applying. Um, there are some, if you're doing a construction type activity, we do have to factor in um, Davis-Bacon prevailing wages if that's applicable, and that can greatly increase the cost of a project. Um, and there's also, uh, we have to factor in uh, Section 3 reporting, uh, which is a new initiative. Well, they've changed it recently, but um, that the funds um, really need to stay local so that the contractors performing the work need to hire local low-income workers. And so we're sometimes having trouble uh, finding contractors willing uh, to meet those regulations. And then we do have one big new regulation coming up, and that's the Buy America, Build America um, regulation that will soon be gradually phased in to where uh, the materials used in uh, these construction contracts using federal funds do have to be made in America. Um, and so I know a lot of contractors are scared of that at this point. And so we're kind of waiting for further HUD guidance on how, how we're going to manage that. Thank you. That did sound scary. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for your work on it. Um, this is great funding to continue our endeavor on affordable housing, you know, working with uh, with. Uh, those who need the help in our community, the most needed. Any other items? I, I, I did want to ask also a little or comment nicely on the citizen participation plan. Um, um, I know we always solicit these things, but they don't always necessarily get um, a great crowd. So um, hopefully uh, doing it the way you're recommending it here um, will get more attention or even perhaps because we have a new um, public engagement person um, that you could um, uh, access. Uh, hopefully, we'll also get some some more um, comments from the public. So, I appreciate that. Is there anything else we need to do on this, Sherry? No, there's not an action. You help open the hearing, and so I think we're good. Okay, so we're open for 30 days on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. On to item two, consider adopting our first summer night, which amends the city's property maintenance code to incorporate the previously deleted international property maintenance code sections 703, fire resistance ratings, and 704, fire protection systems. Uh, good evening once again. Brian Jimenez, code official, planning development services with my partner on this, uh, Chris King, Division Chief of Prevention with Lawrence Douglas County Fire and Medical. Um, tonight before you is Ordinance 9975. In the simplest terms, it is um, to put back in certain sections of Section 703 and 704 of the Property Maintenance Code. The Property Maintenance Code regulates all existing residential commercial structures in the city. Uh, chapter 7 of the PMC International Property Maintenance Code basically provides the minimum safeguards regarding fire safety for existing buildings. 
very similar lang language of chapter seven of the International Property Maintenance Code is in chapter 11 of the IFC. I'll give you a little brief background. In 2000, when we went to adopt the 2018 version of the International Property Maintenance Code, there was a decent amount of new code language additions from 2000 that weren't there in 2015. At that time, we made a decision, in hindsight, probably wasn't the right decision, to strike most of sections 703 and 704 from the code. We kept in um, smoke detection and carbon monoxide and so forth. We struck that thinking that the IFC had the language, we could refer back to that. The problem is when we do rental inspections and tenant complaints, we, we, we enforce the property maintenance code. Um, additionally, there have been several fire incidents of recent history, which Chris can speak on uh, specifically, where we identified a problem with section 703-7 vertical shafts that basically when you have apartment buildings that are stacked, units are stacked on top of each other with the same floor plan, if there's an interior vertical shaft that's open from the first, second, third, fourth floor, that fire spread or flame spread is very probable to expand and Chris can speak on that here in a second but we've had some fires where um, no significant injuries or loss of life fortunately but um, we're thinking we're playing um, a very dangerous game um, by not having that code section in so what we're recommending by adopting 9975 tonight is we just put all the code sections back into uh, chapter 7 which includes most of 703 and 704 and specifically the vertical shafts is what brought us here tonight. And Chris can speak on the fire um, part of that. Okay, thank you, Chris. Chris King, uh, Division Chief of Prevention, Fire and Medical. Um, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, thanks for having us tonight. This is uh, a valuable, uh, important uh, thing to, to discuss as well and to get it back maybe into the code. Um, the challenge has been um, with the property maintenance code, um, uh, the rental licensing program is able to inspect inside units. Um, while it's a certain percentage of the community, um, it's still a, a piece of it. and. Um, we as fire medical um, don't inspect inside uh, residential unit, dwelling units. Um, so we kind of do an outside um, site uh, assessment, as well as maybe some interior exit access uh, arrangements in apartment complexes. So we're like in the corridors or in the stairways, those sort of areas. Um, uh, uh, Brian had referenced um, some, some recent fires. Um, uh, I've been with the fire department since 95 and I can remember several significant fires that over the, uh, my career is um, with vertical uh, shafts where um, vertical openings created uh, fires to extend up. Uh, most recently um, in the multi-family uh, multi dwelling units, um, as Brian was talking about, is that those the example is that they're um, a footprint three stories up. Uh, in this scenario, um, uh, the uh, mechanical closets of the HVAC um, uh, are stacked on top of each other. Um, while maybe when it was constructed may have been separated over time, uh, maybe there's been some remodeling that has occurred with inside that closet area and uh, they're not sealing um, around the flues or uh, maybe not around the plumbing piping or such. 
Um, sometimes shafts, per the building code, can be constructed uh, a two-hour enclosure, so it's it's separated from the rest of the compartment. Um, a fire in 2020, January 2020, uh, challenging year. Uh, but ja January 2020, um, the fire originated in the first floor apartment at, in the bed, at the foot of the bed. Um, extended through the bed, um, um, extended into the closet, um, and to the th third floor as well as to the attic. And so um, the fire was well beyond um, on multiple floors at that time. Um, uh, typically, a, a, a tenant on the third floor, we would hope that they find out about the fire from the fire alarm, not from smoke inside their compartment, inside their apartment, which we, which was, which was reported to us. And so, um, luckily, uh, that person um, was a light sleeper and was able to get out. And uh, that was a, a near miss, if we would. Um, there have been also uh, significant fire events across the country. We can go on and on, but um, New York, uh, Bronx was another example of of a, uh, a tragedy that occurred. Um, uh, that's with doors um, and a similar event where the, um, an unprotected area um, horizontal, horizontally or, or vertically um, will allow it to be like a chimney, if you would. And so the smoke and the products of combustion are just rising up. Um, and so, um, as we all know, smoke is, is uh, very dangerous, not only just uh, with the fire itself, but um, any other any questions? I'm not kind of ran, oh, okay. ran through that real quick. Mm -hmm. That's great information. I didn't know that. Yes, I had a quick question. Make sure I understood this. When you say interior, you, are you saying interior to uh, an occupied unit? Because I'm thinking about you walk into an apartment building that has, and then there's like a staircase that's fairly open, but you go upstairs and then you enter into the various rooms. Is that an interior? Shaft, or are we talking about interior to each of the enclosed yeah. bed? Yeah, great question. So, in inside the dwelling unit, dwelling unit. So, um, uh, so if there's twelve units in a in a building, they would be stacked on top of each other. But the potential is, is the footprint on the first floor is the same as the second floor, and so inside a dwelling unit, there may be a closet that's not separated horizontally mm -hmm. by in between the first and second floor so it's allowing uh, the fire to travel upwards now that's so, yeah. i was just thinking about yeah like enclosed yeah stairways but not inside the units yeah so but not that uh, stairways, okay ways elevator shafts um uh, there's some uh apartments or dormitories that have laundry chutes right yes those are those are designed and uh, protected accordingly in new, under new construction and uh, and and the biggest thing is uh, probably with this is is the uh, the biggest challenge I think we've had since 2020 is maintenance and we're seeing a lot of that and so um, that would be a, a probably a, a key word there. So. Okay. Any other questions? We'll open up for public comment at this time. Any public comment on this item? Any public comment online? No, Mayor. Bring it back to the commission for discussion. Well, that was fascinating. I didn't know that. that was I, I didn't either. I was a little surprised because I know in houses, they that's why they went away from balloon framing them mm -hmm. um, and put in fire breaks in between yeah. floors. But yeah, uh, yeah that, I didn't. 
was unaware. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that you guys recognize the, the judge, misjudgment on this and you came back to us and, and brought it back into the code. I appreciate that very much. If nothing else. Move to adopt on first reading ordinance number 9975. Second. I have a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? It passes four to zero. That completes our regular agenda. We'll move on to commission items. Are there any items that the commission would like to bring up? Um, I don't, and Craig, this, this one might be for you. It was uh, to, I believe, a question that Joseph posed earlier in the evening regarding uh, the action report uh, from uh, the uh, Prairie. Um, I, I know we're really early in the process, but if we had any sort of time frame where folks could expect it or any sort of outline regarding it? Uh, I, don't, I don't have one, and uh, Derek, I think, is on here. Um, it depends on how deep we go. Um, there's been some calls for an outside investigation, and uh, if that would be the case, it would take a long time. Uh, we've There was already a preliminary report I know given at the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board last night uh, that gives some foundation, but if there's any uh, obvious corrective actions, we, we will be taking those quickly. But as far as a report to you all, um, I think we could do something, and then and certainly in the next 30 days, okay. we get you some version if that escalates into something bigger that we want to do, then we, we would ask for more time to do that then. Okay. I know there's some budget implications, and as you all know, but members of the public may not always, that um, our budget process starts with internal um, deliberations, and then it starts to involve the public. You all have an initial uh, conversation, but it won't be in great detail, as we do each year, but then there will be lots of public involvement as we go through the process over the next, over the summer basically. So we will have a lot of information, not just on this, but on lots of things with our city operations too, um, that'll go into the budget, preliminary budget discussions. All right. Any other commission items? Not, we'll move on to the city manager's report. Um, two, three items there. Um, one uh, was, is the, uh, the ongoing engagement with the Lawrence Transit route redesign. So we're getting some initial feedback, but th that'll continue. Um, that's a big event for making sure that our routes are, are really efficient in serving the, the population and the public uh, in the different uh, ways. So it's a, it's a big event for them to do, and they're taking lots of public engagement, and that'll continue to be open. Uh, the next item is the um, Kansas Fight Addiction Fund monies. We, was at, we were asked about that. Um, um, last meeting and we wanted to report that how much money we've received we did do a budget amendment to allow us to spend twenty four hundred dollars or uh, twenty four thousand dollars but we haven't spent any of that so it's in the budget that we could if there was a qualifying expense in this budget but um, we have not so that's just an update on on that that would be a conversation that we can have before the budget but um, certainly those monies will be um, available for us to make some decisions on in the full budget process with everything else okay. last on uh, is the uh, future agenda items any questions for Craig? Nope. I just wanted to confirm that the joint meeting is here not at the county right good question 
That's right. I didn't see it. Okay. Just want to be sure. The what meeting? The right place. The joint, joint meeting. meeting well, with the, the drug meeting. I'm like, what meeting? Joint. <laughs> joint. Joint okay. meeting. Was my understanding? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to be sure. Okay. I showed up to the right place. And the duration of that meeting was? An hour. An hour. Yeah, we didn't have other directions. I know there's questions from um, Commissioner Sellers last time, but I did, we didn't hear any other direction. We've kind of confirmed that the hour uh, in that single subject would be on the agenda, but we're certainly open to other direction. I know she's not here tonight, but we confirmed that that was what we had understood with the county. Okay. Anything else on that? Okay, well, this is a public comment item. Hi, this is Chris Flowers. Um, I heard about um, 24000 that's not being spent that's to be used on addiction. Um, is there any way you can make the argument about the Pallet vi- Village being used to help people that are homeless that have drug problems? Like, I, I, I just bring this up because I'm under the impression we need to find a way to fund the, the maintenance of the Pallet Village. I'm just wondering if, if we could use the 24000 for that at all. Thank you. Thank you. Any other public comment on this, either in the audience or online? No, Mayor. Bring it back to the commission. Does anybody know if that money can be spent in that way? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty broad. Um, the special alcohol tax money mm-hmm. uh, would be similarly classified, um, and so we do have the option of looking at, at things like that. As you as is. Mr. Flowers points out, and you all know, that's a, it's going to be a big discussion on how do we fund the ongoing operations uh, of um, the Pallet Village and, and other uh, things to address those that are unhoused. Okay. Thank you. Okay, that's it for the city manager report. We're on to commission calendar. Any items on the calendar we need to add or note or? Nope. Okay. Well, we're on to our last item then. Entertain a motion. I would move that we adjourn. Second. And a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All opposed? It passes four to zero. Thank you very much for a nice short evening. Wow. That's a record. I am. Hey, Sherry.